know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. This morning we're starting a new series. We're starting a series in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So if you take your Bibles, if you have one handy, and open up your Bible and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The name of the series, we're calling it Made New. It's really about the transformational power of the gospel in our lives. It's about that awesome life that God gives us in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's about new perspectives, new understanding. It's about how we understand that we are no longer of this world, but that God has created us, that we would walk by faith, not, not, not by sight of the things that are so transient around us, but that we would walk by faith, recognizing the unseen and understanding that God is at work, that God has something far greater for us, that we are compelled by the love of Christ, that we're moved by Him. He motivates us. He, he moves us in, in the way that we live our lives and we walk after Him, for He's our God and He's an amazing God. And then it also tells us that great verse in chapter 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. It's an amazing transformation. It's regeneration. It's new life. And that we as God's children, as God's people, we get to walk in a, after Him in a new life. It's no longer the drudgery of this world, but there is, a, there is a life that He has given us. And that life leads to that aspect whereby we are involved in reconciliation, whereby God, through Jesus, has reconciled us to Himself and now has given us that ministry of reconciliation. It's an amazing chapter, chapter but we're going to be looking at it over the next four weeks. And if you notice on our sermon slide, there's, there's four symbols here on our, that represents our series. The first one, the one we're going to be looking at today, is the tent. And we're just going to focus on that one today. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. So if you're, if you're there, go ahead and turn there and look at verses 1 through 5. It's really talking about how our investment is not into this tent, this body, but it's really the building from God. It's our glorified body. It's, it's this mortal being swallowed up in life that God has given us through His Son. And so today, our, our emphasis as we talk about the tent, it's really about being made new brings groaning. It brings groaning as we look at this world, as we look at these things. So if you will, look at verse 1 of chapter 5. It says there, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. Now the first word there, you always got to notice is when you're doing any kind of Bible study methods, anytime you're trying to understand the scriptures and the first word is for, it's usually referring back to something. And it's important to understand the context as you begin to unpack the verse that you're in. So here in verse one, it says for, and it's referring back to chapter four, which is another 
just a glorious, wonderful chapter about what God has done in our lives. But in chapter 4, it specifically is referring to verses 16 through 18 at the end of chapter 4. So if you will, read those with me real quick. It says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Paul says here to these believers, he says, Hey, our outer self, this outer part of me, it's wasting away. It's, it's dying. It's, 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 it's no longer continuing to regenerate. It is wasting away. But the inward side is being renewed day after day after day. If you think about it, everything around us that is growing older, it's dying. Whether you look at the plants, you see animals. We lost you know, one of our kitties last year. and um, He'd been with us for over 19 years. He was decaying. He passed away. Everything around us is decaying. Everyone without Jesus, they're dying. In fact, everything in creation is headed towards death except the child of God, except the people of God. The only thing that is growing older and yet is being renewed is the child of God, the one who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ. There's a renewing that's taking place. There's, it's a more glorious life. It's a more powerful walk in Christ Jesus. It's, it's God's life in us through His Holy Spirit. It's, it's renewing every day. So the outside is wasting away, but inward, as we're growing in Jesus, as we're becoming more and more like His Son, we are being renewed day by day by day. And that word renewed literally means made new. We're being made new daily. So Paul says, hey, we are being made new, though we're wasting away on the outside, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And he goes on in verse 17 of chapter 4, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Dear brother, sister in Christ, dear child of God, are you going through some affliction? Are you going through some difficulties? Um, in light of the glories that is ours in Christ Jesus, they're very light. This hasn't been a great year for me. I, I know of just healthy issues and different things that have been going on. There's been things going on in my house and it hasn't been working out, trying to get things repaired. And sometimes it just, it seems like a burden and just, weighs us down, but it's nothing in comparison to the glory that is ours in Christ Jesus. Paul is trying to get us to not look at what's here, but to look at what's coming. We need to understand that, that everything that we are isn't just right here, but it's everything that God has for us in the future as well, in the holiness of God, in that, in that glorified kingdom, in that glorified body. There, there's more for us, and we'll be looking at those things. Everything that we see here is transient. That's what he says there in verse 18. It's transient. It comes and it goes. It's, it's not eternal. But the things that are unseen, he says, are eternal. The things that are unseen, like faith, our faith in Jesus, the love of God in us, the reality of being born again, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, our hope that we have in glory, our faith, our faith, our faith in Him, 
Those are eternal things that are constantly being renewed, though around us things are wasting away. And these are the things that last for eternity. Paul wants us to understand that. He wants us to look past our present, and he wants us to look into the future and understand the eternal things by which we live. So when he goes back into verse 1 of chapter 5, he says, For in light of that, in light of what he's just said, he says, For we know that if this tent, our earthly home, our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. He says, We know there's something we got to know. We know our current state is temporary, that we have a temporary tent. If you want to mature in Christ, you want to grow in Jesus, you want to be be more and more like Him, you have to understand this biblical truth. There is no maturity in Christ and not understand this. There's no way in your life that you're going to have a love of this world and at the same time experience the fulfilling, sustaining love of God at the same time. Because you cannot serve both God and Mamma. You can't serve two gods. There's going to be one or the other. And there is no maturity. We, if we know this truth, then we need to pray like it. We need to live like it. If we biblically know this is to be true, then it needs to impact us. And, and there is no spiritual growth without it. There's no exceptions. You see, in verse 1, what Paul is doing is he is contrasting the tent, this earthly body, with the building of God, which is our eternal one, our glorified body. And he says there in verse 1, he says, if this tent, our earthly home, is destroyed, it's not so bad, is it? Because there's a better home. There's an eternal home. There's something greater for us. I still remember the day when my mom passed back in 2005, November 7th. I still remember because I was at work and I got the phone call. My My wife, Lydia, said, you need to get home. You need to get home quick. Mom is... Gone, gone down really bad. And Aunt Fern says, she needs to get home. You need to get home. I walked in just as the hospice nurse was there and she was starting to give her morphine. She was giving her some, some what she needed to ease the pain. And my mom was losing consciousness. And I walked up and I, and I grabbed my mom and I said, Mom. And I'll never forget, she just started smiling at me. I said, Mom, I love you. I love you. And she goes, I love you. And then she said, Greg, I'm scared. I said, Mom, this is what you've been talking about. You ready to go see Jesus? You ready to go be with Him? And she got a big smile on her face, and she said, yeah, I am. I'm ready to go see Jesus. It's one of the last things my mother said to me. You see, for my mom, life began, and that's what Paul understood. Paul said, hey, it's okay. If this, if this body, if this earthly home is destroyed, there's a better home. It's not so bad. Life will really begin. And for us, we need to understand that to continue to grow in light of the the glory that is ours in Christ Jesus. In this contrast, it, it just amazes me or it should blow our minds how much emphasis we put on the tent, how we try to bring comfort, how we try to keep it looking good and all the different things that we try to do in this world to to put emphasis on the tent. But in light of the glory of God, it's just a tent. It's just flesh. It's temporary. There's a better life. There's a betterness for what God has called us to in God's perfection. When I was in Tanzania, 
I had to spend two weeks in a tent. And so I got a picture of the tent up here. I like to show you, this is, this is my tent. I spent two weeks in that in Tanzania. It's a wonderful tent, it's a beautiful tent. Um, it, when you go inside the door here, it's just one room. Uh, there's a plastic flooring. Uh, there's plastic on the round. When the wind blew, it shook. It did all those kinds of things. It's a tent, but it was, it was a great tent. And Paul is taking, and what he's trying to do is contrast a tent and compare what was ours in glories. I got another picture here. And this picture is of a, of a mansion in Florida. Look at that thing. Isn't it beautiful? In fact, it's for sale, by the way. It's $29.9 million for this home. And it's glorious, right? And so the picture that Paul's trying to say is, is do we want the tent or do we want what God has for us? Go ahead and put that other slide up where I put them side by side. See, here, this is just a, maybe a few hundred dollars, if that. And over here, it's 29 million. Why do we emphasize this when God has this for us? Now, look, I'm not telling you to go out and buy a mansion. That isn't the point of it. The point of the contrast is that we need to understand that as God's children, because we've been made new, we've been born again, we've been regenerated by the, by the work of God in our lives. Because of that truth, this tent is temporary. This, this is temporary. And we're to look off and understand that God has so much more, so much to understand in that contrast. If we live for the tent, we know what's coming. It's just wasting away. But when we live for Christ and we understand that there's so much more and we understand what God's intended and we understand the eternal perspective, then we're moved and we're serving Him. And it's all about Him. You can't worship the tent and somehow be fired up about God and the love of God. You can't be all fired up about this and understand the intent of what God is trying to do in your life. You have to understand what God has for you and what God's wanting wanting to do in your life. In John chapter 14, verses two and three, the tent can't do this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. You see, dear people of God, we weren't made for this world. Jesus has a place for us. And he has a place and an intent and a purpose. And Paul's contrasting this. He's wanting us to understand the difference between the tent and the earthly building or the heavenly building of God that he, what he has for us. And Jesus has gone to prepare a place. And if he's gone to prepare a place, he wouldn't have told us that if it wasn't true. And because it is true, he's coming again. He's coming again so that we will be with him. And what does he tell us right before this verse? In verse one, in verse one, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. You see, Jesus is coming again. Do you believe that? You see, next week, the, the symbol is eyeglasses, because next week we're gonna be talking about, we're gonna be talking about a new perspective. When we're made new, we have a new perspective. We believe in God. We believe in Jesus. Jesus is coming again, just as he said he would. You can't worship two gods. You can't worship this tent and understand and have the fulfilling, sustaining power and love of God in your life and to experience it. You're either going to seek one 
or you're going to seek the other. You see, when we understand that we have been made new, it brings groaning because we understand that this tent is temporary. But we also understand that we have a right to groan. That as we grow in him, it brings about groaning. Okay, so it goes on and it says, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, verse 3, by putting, on, putting it on, we may be, not be found naked. For while we were still in the tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that the mortal, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up in life. In this passage, when you read verses two and four, it's really dealing with this idea, this theological idea of already, not yet. There's this idea where we already have things in regards to our salvation and the kingdom of God, and there's still some things not yet in regards to our salvation and the king, kingdom of God. When you're like me and you read these verses, you begin to groan for your heavenly kingdom. I begin to groan for my resurrected body because, you know, I've had those times where I've been with God and, and I understand, man, I experience His peace. I experience His comfort. I experience His amazing power working in my life and the transformation that He's doing in my life. It's amazing some of these things that I already see. And these things are, are things that are already now. But then there's some things that are going on that I know, hey, I still experience sin on a daily basis. There's still this deal whereby I still struggle with this body that is breaking down and it hurts and it groans in this body. And those are things that, that I haven't yet got to experience, where I have that constant victory. I haven't experienced that. That's not, not yet. So there's this idea where there's some things I've already experienced, and then there's a steel where I haven't received my glorified body, my resurrection body, and the removal of the presence of sin in my life. And so there can be these moments of great, of great, great victory whereby I'm growing in Christ, and those are already here. And yet at the same time, I can imagine, can you imagine what it would be like to be in a world where there's no more sin? There's no more hate where there's the love of Christ that's just flowing through us, when we understand the holiness of God and the importance of holiness, when sin doesn't dominate, can you imagine? It's not yet, but it's coming. It's coming. So when I read these passages, I get, I get excited and I understand this already and not yet. And this is why the Christian life is often a struggle. Because we have those times where we experience God and we experience tremendous growth and we experience victory in our life and everything's so exciting about what God's doing. But then the hardships come and the afflictions come and the battle with sin comes and health issues come. And we begin to doubt. We begin to look at these things and we begin to, to, to wonder where God is and we begin to break down in our faith. And that's where the struggle begins. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, we groan. We're longing for the revelation of Jesus. We're longing for the revelation of, of our Lord because we know that when He is revealed, we will be revealed with Him. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. We know that when He is revealed. So, so there is this natural aspect of where we're groaning. We're longing for those things to come. And groaning here isn't the idea of, of complaining or whining. It's really this idea of an intense longing. 
It's kind of standing on the edge of your toes and straining to see. There's this idea that where we groan, we long for that to come. And we're not to be defeated in the transient things of this world, but we're to be strengthened because we're renewed day and day by the power of God in us. So when the afflictions come, we realize, hey, these are temporal in light of the glory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And so it's right. It's right. Are you groaning? I mean, again, this hasn't been the best year for me. There have been times with health issues and different things that have gone on for me in this year. But they're so minor. They're so minor in the light of what's mine in Christ Jesus. In the Bible here, in verse 2, it tells us some things to grow for, groan for. There's three things. First, he tells us to groan for our heavenly home in verse 2. He tells us, for, this is, uh, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Look around. I mean, the division that's going on in our world right now is unreal. The hate that's going on, the political hatred that's going on, the, the division, the unrest, the economic struggles, the sickness. We've had a pandemic, all these things. This isn't the world we've been created for. I'm longing for that heavenly home that is ours in Christ. I don't want the tin. I want the mansion. I want what God has for me in Christ Jesus and the glories that he has for me in the kingdom. Yeah, as believers, we love the world. We, we, we reach out to the world because we want as many as we can to know of the glories that Christ has for us, to know of our heavenly home. I want to take as many with me as I possibly can. That's why we want to share the gospel. That's why we want to do the ministry. That's why we want to serve our Lord, that others may know of this heavenly kingdom, this heavenly home that is ours in Christ Jesus, that we long for, that home that we groan for. We have not only groan for our heavenly home, but we also groan to be further clothed, is what he says in verses 3 and 4. Look what he says. He says in verse 3, If indeed by putting on, putting on we may not be found naked, for while we were still in the t this tent, we groaned, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal be maybe swallowed up in life. This is kind of an interesting picture where we're longing to put on that resurrected body, that we'd no longer be unclothed, but we would be clothed, that, that undefiled, that un unblemished, that un un uh, imperishable body that is ours, God's perfect creation that is ours in Christ. We long for that to come, that we no longer be unclothed, that we would be fully clothed. And even though we find ourselves burdened, that's what he says in verse four, for while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. That word burden means to weigh down. And often we feel weighed down with this life. We feel the weight of hardship. We feel the weight of financial issues. We feel the weight of health issues. We feel the weight of following Jesus. Sometimes it's not always easy to believe Him when everything in our sight is telling us, no, no, I want to go this direction, but His Word is telling us to go this direction. Sometimes it's a weight. It's a burden. Sometimes I feel more weighed down than I'd like to admit. Then I look at this passage, and I read it, and I realize it's, it's kind of par with the course. 
that I haven't been created for this world. This isn't, the, this isn't what God has for me in the final. I'm here as a, as a, as a servant of God with the Ministry of Reconciliation we'll see later on in the series. I have a longing for this new resurrected body. So it's right to feel the burden of being weighed down. Why? Because God has so much more. We haven't been made for this world, but for what is coming, what he has intended, what he has planned for us. Thirdly, we also groan for death to be devoured by life. Look at the last part of verse 4. He says, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. We're groaning, we're longing for that idea, that intense longing that life will once and for all conquer death. I love this passage. I love the way that it is, is written here. It's kind of neat. It's kind of a great picture. It's kind of like where, where life is looking at death and he's saying, hey, death, come here. And death's like, why? Life says, I'm going to eat you up. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God that it, that it'd be gone. It'll never come back. Death will have no more say over us and the world that we live in. That's why in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. That we are no longer to be defeated, but death has been conquered by life. And who is life? Christ. He has conquered death and he's given us victory. And we're not to be focused on all these things that are wasted away. They're just wasting away. And we're putting our time and our investments and everything that we have into these things that are wasted away. We need to be putting our things in those things that are eternal. Again, our faith in Christ, the hope that we have in glory in Christ Jesus, that we have been born again, the reality of being born again, regenerated by the hand of God, by the work of Jesus, that we have a new life, a new life. And what God has for us isn't in this world. His intent is for us in the one day when we will receive that glorified, that resurrection body, and we will receive our heavenly home. And we look until then, we want to bring as many as we can with us and that they would in, in, enjoy the reality of that truth of our heavenly home. So when you're groaning this week, have fun with it. You know, you get out of that chair and you're, Ugh! just remember you're looking off to a better world. You have a hardship, get some bad news this week. It's just temporary in light of the glory of God and what he has for you. Dear people of God, if we're going to grow in Christ, we need to understand that. You see, when we're made new, it brings about groaning. Why? Because we understand this tent is temporary. We also understand we have the right to groan. But thirdly and lastly, it's because my tent will be replaced with a house, and it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Look at it, if you will, in verse 5. He says, He who has prepared for us this very thing is God. That's what he just said. The one who has prepared this for us, for this very thing, is God. God is true. God will do what he has promised. God is faithful to a complete that which he has set out to do. When God has said it, it will be. Do you believe that? The very thing that has been prepared for us has been prepared for us by God himself. Amen. 
We should be, we should be, you're, you're at home on your couch, do a flip. We should be excited about that because God has promised this and God will bring it about. Look what he goes on and he says, who has given us, God, who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. The idea of guarantee is this idea of a kind of a first or initial payment as a guarantee for the completion of a transaction or a pledge. So God has prepared these things and as a guarantee of that, he's given us the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So how do I know these things are guaranteed? Because the Holy Spirit is at work changing me. That as I step out by faith, he is working in me each and every day. He's renewing me day by day by day. That I would be more and more like the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That I would be more and more like Him. That He who knew no righteousness became righteousness or became sin that we might be made into the righteousness of God. I begin to learn the righteousness of God through the Holy Spirit that dwells within me. That's the guarantee. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says, We were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. With the what? The promised Holy Spirit. The Spirit promised, the Spirit that God promised, He gave to us. We were sealed with Him, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. That we will require, will we have the possession of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and He's the guarantee of that possession that we will have one day. When I was working just right out in the middle of college, Lydia and I went and worked at a... a uh, camp. It's out in the middle of the Indian reservation. It was between several Indian reservations that were there, Navajo and Zuni and the Wallapai. And so every week they would come in. And one of the things that we would try to teach them about the Holy Spirit of God and being sealed with the, with the Holy Spirit of promise, we use the illustration of branding. And because all of them were, were country kids, they, they all understood branding, that you would brand a cow and that cow would become yours. So the illustration we would say is, when you brand that cow, whose cow does he belong to? And they go, it belongs to me. And I'd go, well, what if the cow broke down the fence and he goes into somebody else's property? Whose cow is he? He's still my cow. What if the cow goes down the road and, and, and gets down there a ways and he gets hit by a car and he dies? Whose cow is he? And he go, he's my cow. What if somebody takes that cow and takes the hide and makes a purse. Whose cow is he? And, he's, and the kids get a little frustrated by this point. They go, he's my cow. And we would go, that's what God did. He gave you the Holy Spirit of promise, the guarantee of these things, that we would look past the present, that we would look past the transient, that we would look past the things that are wasting away. And because of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us, the promise of God, the guarantee of these things, we would know they'd be true. And so we groan longing for our heavenly tent because we know this tent is temporary. We groan for the house of God that he's building. We long for it intensely because we know that this is wasting away. We know and understand that it's right to groan. Why? Because God didn't make us for this world. He didn't make us for a world that is so impacted by sin that we can't even see the difference between righteousness and sin sometimes. We live in a day where the, what is being called right is being called wrong and what is 
being called wrong is being called right. And we're living in a day where our vision is getting all messed up. But we know that it's okay to long for the kingdom of God and what he has planned for us because we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in us. And then we also know that we groan, that being made new, we groan because we're going to have a house. This tent is going to be gone. We're going to have a house that's built by the hand of God. Amen, amen. And it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed because of the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within us. Dear people of God, we are a people who are set aside. We're set aside for Him. And He has prepared for us. Come back next week. We're going to be looking at this new vision that we have since we've been made new. Not only have we been made new that that brings groaning, but we've been made new that we might have a, a new vision, a new perspective of this world. Love you, church. Let's pray. Father God, I just, I just pray for everyone that's listening online here this morning. I pray your spirit kind of moves through their heart, Father. Father, I don't pray for, for guilt. I pray for conviction because I know guilt, we beat ourselves down and, and we push ourselves down. But conviction, Father, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and of judgment because conviction, what it does is it teaches us that we know that we can do better. That, Father, there is more for us. We don't have to, we don't have to put ourselves down, but, Father, we, we understand that there is a better world, a better life in Christ. And so, Father, we long, we look off for our heavenly kingdom. We look off for those resurrection bodies. We look off, Father, for those things that you have for us. And may we, Father, understand and not put our, our effort, and may we not worship this tent and this world. May we put it in perspective that we might seek after you and all that we say and do. Father, as we yield ourselves to you, as your spirit speaks to us in our hearts, Father, may we just set ourselves apart unto you by your spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.